Yeah. All right. Well, let's pray. First uh, Corinthians 15. Let's go ahead and pray today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus. Uh, in all the things that we did not know that we were going to receive when we came to faith in you, uh, thank you. Lord, the, we read your word and we find out those things that you have in store. Your riches, your glory, your inheritance, your promises. Lord, I, I thank you. We open up our hearts and minds today to understand what's coming. Lord, as we look unto you, as we trust what you've said, and we trust in the word of God, how you gave us the word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. How it is a shield to those who put their trust in you. And here we are your people today to trust in you. So Lord, teach us today, even if it's a repeat and we repeat this uh, many times the rest of our lives, we never grow tired of hearing this truth. And thank you for the Holy Spirit and teach us today in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. First Corinthians 15. Can you hear me okay, Jim? All right. Ray, can you hear me okay? Young man? All right. Very good. Very good. Hey, uh, 1 Corinthians 15. Uh, we're, we're going through nine verses today, 50 through 58. So we're going to take a much narrower view of a chapter that I would, I would go anywhere and talk about this chapter. You could, uh, I, would, I would talk about this chapter anywhere you want to book me to talk about the resurrection from the dead and that we have life in Jesus Christ. Count me there. I'll, I'll tell everybody anything I know about it because I don't know everything. So I can only tell them everything about the something of the part that I know. But that part that I know, oh, what a glorious thing. I've entitled today's Bible study, Hope to the End. Hope to the end. So, straight up, uh, I think I didn't do the calculations before I got up here, or maybe a guy should, but my wife and I lived in Grand Forks at 709 Cherry Street from the years of 1999, right? February, let's see, April, April, May. Zoe was born already. Zoe was not born. February of 1999, we moved up here. Right, we bought a house at 709 Cherry Street and uh, lived up here through July of 2001. 2001. Uh huh. 99 to 2001. Is that right? Gabby was eight months old. She was born in December of 2000, so July of 2021. Hey. 2021. 2001. That's 20 years ago that we lived up in Grand Forks. Now, what I'm bringing today is I, not, not to go down memory lane, but when I moved up here in Grand Forks, my life uh, was just coming out of the, the, the fire of, of the sin that had entangled up most of my life, having backslid from the Lord for 10 years. And uh, I now know that God was getting us out of Egypt when we moved up to Grand Forks and working in our hearts and our lives, and, and things changed. And if, if I could describe two years of my life that we lived up in Grand Forks, I've experienced the greatest change in my life as a Christian, changing from sin to righteousness. Romans 6.16, I found out. I didn't believe it, but I, then I, I finally believed it. I was a slave to sin. And how do slaves get free? Well, they need someone greater to come and 
set them free from sin. And Jesus Christ did that for me. Now, my life has changed, and, and, and now I share this Bible study number two that we use on our website and I share out with people. And as I take people in the beginning, they come to faith in Christ Jesus and take them through discipleship, basic, basic understanding. There's changes coming in your life. I, I am grateful to have Chris and Sherry in the room today, and so I'll just use their lives. And maybe I'll pay them royalties. Maybe I won't. I don't know. We'll see. It's going to be expensive. Yeah. yeah I believe it. But we knew Sherry. Tanya was coaching volleyball and coaching Sherry in volleyball from, let's see, you must have been a sophomore, 1997, something like that in there. And uh, Tanya's changed since 1997. And just like we talk about these great changes, and, and now I just I tell people, you come to faith in Christ Jesus and you start walking with him. And I would plead with Chris when I first met him. I said, as passionate as you are for politics, as passionate as you are for sports, the twins, one day I believe you'll be that passionate for Jesus Christ. And I just kept saying to him, be that passionate for Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ, for Jesus Christ. And he's experienced changes. Sherry has experienced changes. Now, we all have. We all have experienced changes. Now, when I share this, and, and this is where really where this study comes from, because there, there's a big change coming in our lives. The biggest change is coming in our lives. Now, when we come to faith in Christ Jesus, we, we, we get change of priorities. My priorities before I came to Grand Forks was volleyball, 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 uh, softball, and, and beer, and volleyball, and beer, and, and then my wife. Oh, and then work. Work was in there too. Now, I don't say that as a boastimony, but this is the reality. I had a change of priorities. Where do I learn these things? Where do I learn to change? And, well, it's in the Bible. And this is what I, what I bring. Change of priorities, Matthew 6.33. I have a whole change of priority. 20 years ago, I moved up here with a priority, right? I, I needed to raise my family, provide for my wife and my daughter who was on the way, and then the other daughter, and I, I was really troubled having two kids. What was my trouble? Is I, I wasn't that much of a loving person. I learned how to love one of them. How would I ever love another? And God supplies. He changes outlook. He changes my mind. He changed my activities. So no longer, my activities are no longer volleyball, 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 softball, beer, volleyball. Right? Those aren't my activities anymore. So there's a change of activities and a change of friends. And um, that really needed to happen. You tell him, Isaac, I got it. And then this one. A change, of, a change from sin and a change to righteousness. Uh, just, again, change in words. Change, 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 change. In fact, I studied this so much today, the word change. I said it so much in my mind, like, that's a strange word. Yep, change is strange, all right, if you're taking that with you today. But I want you to put something before you today. I am eager for the next change that's really got to happen in my life. I'm eager for that change. I'm eager for it. And we come to this place where where I get the title today is actually out of 1 Peter 1.13. You don't need to turn there. Just again, just you, this, is where, this is where just listen to this word of God. Now, if you want to turn, you can. But I am eager for this change. It says, wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end 
for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. I, I am no longer looking to reveal my, my, my final plan of which my friend and I were going to build a volleyball facility in Fargo that had indoor courts, outdoor courts, a bar and a restaurant, and we were going to run the whole thing together. And he would draw out the plans on his, on his square little paper, and we had these plans, and we so loved that idea. We had a business idea, and I'm so glad I got out of that plan. Now I hope to the end for what? More grace. More grace is going to come to us when Jesus Christ is revealed. Now who here would want less grace than what you've already received? When I receive grace from Jesus Christ, from God through Jesus Christ, I want more grace. I, I stand up here, I, I can give you my history and all the things that's changed. You know how that change happened in my life? By the grace of God. Why did I, why did I even want to go to church. I started reading my Bible and then I wanted more by the grace of God. By the grace of God and he gives more grace. Now, uh, a word of encouragement as you hope to the end. Um, This hope of eternal life in the kingdom of God. uh, This hope of heaven. In all the ways that the Bible could say this, this this change that's going to happen, uh, we're going to go through this change one of two ways. One of two ways. And this is what the Bible tells There is a change of necessity in order for us who live in these forms, in these bodies, this flesh and blood, this one that could play volleyball and this one that could get hurt and this one that could could wreck my ankle, my knee and and all those things when I played and, and I could experience that pain. That will not make it into heaven. But the moment that we believed and received Jesus Christ, the moment that Christ Jesus entered into our lives. He put his Holy Spirit within us. And from within, he began to work change from sin unto righteousness. The grace of God is what really changed everything in my life. Now, I didn't know that. I thought it was my great willpower for a time. My great willpower to like, I will no longer do these things. And guess what happened? The more I said, I will no longer do this sin, as a Christian, I will not do this sin. I won't do that sin. I won't do it. I won't do it. I won't do it. I was thinking about that sin all the time. Opportunity came up. Oh, man, did it again. And what happens is the grace of God comes into our lives from the inside out, changing desires. I, I don't even want to, not only do I not want to do that anymore, I don't even want to think about it. And it's, it doesn't happen by my great willpower. 1 Corinthians 15, 50 through 58 today. Nine verses, nine verses. First Corinthians 15, verse 50, 5 Not the police. Not my age last year. I'm 5'1 now. I'm 5'1. But I'm 6'1 in height, but 5'1 in age. See? Chris, you ready to change? You want out? You want the world to change? Yeah. Ransel, you ready for change? Right? Jim, you ready for change? You're fixing to. I like that. Okay. Josiah? Right. What do we want changed? There's one big change coming, and uh, it's in the Bible. Now, this I say, brethren. So I ask the, the men, but again, we speak for the brothers and sisters. You can tell Jeremy I wanted to talk at him today and he wasn't here. You can tell him that. 
This, this sermon was for you. All right? So now he'll be listening for his name when he listens to the teaching this week. I was mentioned on the, on the teaching. Verse 50. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. Now, the context and, and what I bring today is we have been given great and exceeding and precious promises uh, in Jesus Christ. We have been given the promise of eternal life. We have been given the promise of heaven. We have been given the promise of the kingdom of God. It's all synonymous to describe that there is another another body that we will one day have that has been made specifically to dwell with God. And these promises of being with him, this promise of the kingdom, this promise of eternal life, and, and it begins, because I'm jumping right into the, to the, to the close, closing thought of 1 Corinthians 50. And it's all been laid out that this comes through the resurrection of the dead. In order for there to be a resurrection from the dead, there must first of necessity be a dying of this body. Now, did I come to church today to convince you all that you must die? Well, in one way, we must die to the flesh, but out of necessity. I'm changing your outlook today. Remember, I told you I had a lot of change, and this is the biggest outlook from today forward that we need to change. Death is not natural. Death is sinful. You ever heard people say death is a natural thing of life? And nobody will finally stand up and say what? Death is sinful. And so when people die, it's, it's, it's the, the way, and in in if, if you can listen to the word of God, when someone dies, it just cries out, there's sin in the world, sin in the world, sin in the world. So when Jesus Christ saves you from sin and death, he changes your outlook. And that's what 1 Corinthians 15 is all about, changing your outlook. And this issue, and if it's true, and it's found in the word of God, and when, when the Spirit inspired these guys to write letters to the churches, and it makes its way into the Bible, we should find the same thing in the words of our Lord. And guess what? We do. This is, this is Matthew twenty five thirty four, and I'll give you a chance to go there, and you can turn to it. I want you to see this. And if you have your Bible, it's a, it's a red letter edition, Matthew twenty five thirty four. Now, Jesus is giving a parable here that describes in three different ways the end of all things. And, and in simplest of terms, in three different ways, he describes a separating that's going to happen for all the people in the world. There's fish you can eat and fish that you throw away. And some of you fishermen know that. There's certain fish that you catch out of the river, out of the lake, even by law, the 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 regulating part of our government says, don't you dare throw that fish back into that water. If it came out of there, we don't want those fish in there. You caught it, it's, you bring it out and you destroy it. Now, Jesus teaches that simple. At the end, right? He, at the end, there's good fruit, bad fruit. Matthew 25, 34. Then shall the king say unto them on his right hand, okay, parable of the sheep and the goats. He says to those on his right hand, to the sheep, he says, Come, ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Now, hopefully you've already caught on to the change that's coming. I'm talking about your change of location, your change of body, your change from 
this fleshly form into the heavenly form of the new body that is fit for heaven. And I'll also stir up your reminder for those who've died in in faith in Christ Jesus, of those that you love who have gone ahead of you, you know exactly where they're at. They're already with Jesus. Now, as I share these things, uh, and again, changing our minds, changing our outlooks, God has prepared for us, our Father has prepared for us an inheritance, a spiritual kingdom, a spiritual inheritance, heavenly dwelling. Our mansion is our new body. Uh, The contrast in the Bible is these are tents. Make it look like a tent. So, I mean, this is a tent that actually for a time houses me. But am I, I mean, we relate to one another by what we look like and appear like. But the issue is, this is not me. This this one day, this tent will be put off and then I'll get my mansion, which is my permanent dwelling, my new spiritual body that God has prepared. Jesus went to prepare and he, and he prepares that spiritual body for each and every one of us. And we dwell together one day in this place called heaven, in the new Jerusalem that comes down out of heaven. And this is the preparation, living for our eternal inheritance. Everything here is temporary. Now, listen up. The legacy that men are building right now and women are building, it's what? Temporary. Temporary. The fame. Oh, the money that some of these guys are amassing and then using their money to influence and take over the world. (laughs) Right? Isn't that what they do? The rich are using their money and position and power to rule the world and force you into all kinds of things that you would never even consider. And you're like, this is lunacy, not legacy. And that's what it is. Oh, but God has a change coming. The power of man, the pleasures, the governments, technologies, knowledge. Oh, the earth itself and everything in it. Corruptible, perishable. Put a expiration date on it if we knew the day or the hour. But we don't. But we know there's a date that only God can see that there's an expiration date upon the things that happen in this world. Expires exactly when the father says, all right, son, go get them. And this, these are the things. Now, this word that's given to the inheriting and and the idea of things falling apart, Isaiah, man, this guy 2,700 years ago saw these things and wrote them down. He heard God's voice and the Spirit put it in there. And you know that Revelation, the end of Revelation is actually quoting Isaiah's prophecy? Listen to this. You'll think it's Revelation, but it's actually Isaiah. You just I, I won't tell you where it's at until after I read it. Behold, the Lord God will help me Who is he that shall condemn me? Lo, they shall all wax old as a garment. The moth shall eat them up. The moth shall eat them up like a garment. The worm shall eat them like wool. But my righteousness shall be forever and my salvation from generation to generation. Isaiah 50 verse 9 and Isaiah 51 8. One day just read Revelation 21 and 22 and put right on top of it Isaiah 50 and 51 and you're going to be blown away of the things that Isaiah saw. And then the revelation comes and says, look back here. This has been known for a long, long time. So then we should also expect it in the words of our Lord, saying what? Hmm, lay not up treasures for yourself here on the earth. 
Matthew 6, 19. Lay not up treasures for yourself upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, where thieves break in and steal. You know a thief or two who's taken a few things from you, right? But lay up for yourselves treasure in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now, what's the word? Matthew 6, 24, no man can serve two masters. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, what's, uh, what's my change of mind and, and change of outlook? What am I giving to you today? We have been given the most exceeding great treasure of the promise of glory in heaven and the riches of glory in true riches, true love with God in heaven. Why are we so troubled about going there? Now, background, right? God is going to trouble this world, right? But he's going to give escape from wrath to his saints from the wrath of God that comes upon this world. So don't be troubled over the things that's going on now. Even though Satan's trying to trouble the world, what do we as believers, we say what? Not troubled. You're trying to trouble me. But I'm not troubled. Now, have you seen the ten toes formed together yet? Remember Daniel's prophecy, right? The, the ten toes, you got the image of the, uh, oh yeah, head of gold. We start with the head of gold and then silver, bronze, iron, and then down to the feet. I should have been barefoot today. You could have saw my ten toes. Iron mixed with clay. And then the Bible says something like, um, in the days of those ten kings. And then Daniel gets the, the, the vision of the, the little horn, but he gets the, the picture of that, that fourth beast that's different than all the others and has ten horns in the days of those ten kings. Daniel 2.44. Background, right? Background, prophecy. I, 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 can't, I can't think of this any differently than if prophecy was out of my life, I wouldn't be living the way I'm living. I'd be like all the other Christians right now. Oh, I'd be angry over the changes that are going on in the world. I'd be angry. Can you believe what they're doing to us? Right? But you know something? I got a change coming. And I've already experienced change in my life. I went through some of the greatest changes that I needed to go through to get out of sin into righteousness. And I'm waiting for that last change. Now, in the context of this corruption and incorruption, 1 Corinthians 15, 42. Look back at verse 42. Back to 1 Corinthians 15. Look at 42 with me. So also is the resurrection of the dead. What's he talking about? He's talking about a seed is sown in the ground, but the seed doesn't come up. The plant comes up. He says, so also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. That means when we die... Or if we die, because we don't we qualify it now? Because if you didn't think you were part of the rapture generation before, watching all the trouble in, enter into the world, the signs of the second coming of Jesus Christ, the signs of Ezekiel 38 and 39, the signs of the technology that the Antichrist will have at his fingertips to cause everybody to receive a mark or, let, or they couldn't buy and sell. If you didn't think there was power visible now in this world over buying and selling, the technology's there. In fact, one, of, one guy I listened to, he says, the technology exceeds the book of Revelation. He says, get ready. One more change coming. And this is where 1 Corinthians 15 is. Second Peter describes these exceeding great and precious promises that have been, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature. Wait a minute. Me? 
partaker of the divine nature? All right, what's the catch? What do I pay? Right? What do I got to do to get that? Or what am I... What do my family members have to pay after I die to get me out of purgatory? What do you mean partakers of the divine nature? There is no purgatory. People, I know this. And that's for people online who will come later. And what do you mean preaching purgatory? No, I'm not preaching purgatory. I'm saying what? If we didn't know what the Bible said about us and the change, we are going to become partakers of the divine nature. Sorry. Partakers of the divine nature are what? Having escaped the corruption that's in the world. And what's the source of the corruption in the world? Lust. Huh. That basic sinful desire within man to do whatever he wanted to do, and it causes this world to rot and decay. Do you know that this heaven and this earth cannot make it into eternity? The sky, the, this, this material form can't make it. So what is God going to do with this heaven and this earth? When he's done with it, he's going to roll it up like a scroll or it's going to dissolve away. Everybody who understands, again, studies these things with, with, with particle physics, that's the way we describe this. It's, it's like a fabric. You've heard, ever heard the phrase, a fabric of time or a fabric of space. What did God do when he created? He spoke this into existence. He brought the whole atomic structure into existence and, and lays it out like a garment. And all the existence of our, of our mere existence in this form is all the atomic structure that one day will no longer exist. That's, again, tent, right? Got it? Tent? No, not a Christmas tree. Tent, all right? All flesh is corruptible because of what? Because of sin and death. If you don't believe me, the next time you drive by an animal that has been accidentally run over on the side of the road, not purposefully, accidentally run over on the side of the road, get out of your, stop your car, get out of there, and man, you'll, you'll like this one. Kick it and roll it over, and then sniff it. And now you got a pretty good picture of corruption, rotten, decay, what sin really looks like. Okay? This body cannot inherit heaven. But here's good news. The Bible says what? All flesh is as grass. It withers. Here today, gone tomorrow. This, this body dies and then decays. I cannot stay in this body of sin and death. There is nothing I can do to make this body last. Even if I invest all my money in anti-aging products? Have you been noticing that I have not been using wrinkle cream? <laughs> I mean, think about what people do, right? Anything to hold off this, this, anything to keep death from happening. Have you not seen the world go absolutely mad and crazy over that one thing that, I should never die, I should never die, I should never die, give me something, give me a shot, give me a pill, I should never die, but I'll kill others. But I should never die. I mean, hopefully you heard the fear in that statement. Here's the Bible now. 1 Corinthians 15, 51. This is a Bible study, right? not me just talking. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. And that's not insomnia that you've been having at night. It's, 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 a, it's a use of a word. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised 
incorruptible. Literally, a body that cannot, will not, and is impossible for that body to ever decay. So therefore, it cannot be of this material world. That's exactly what's being said. And we shall be changed. Now, this word mystery, again, formerly hidden, now revealed. That, that's straight up. That word mystery. So when Paul hits this part, and what Paul is writing about, and he now says, this mystery is revelation. He's writing revelation from God. These things that God has revealed unto us by his spirit. He tells the Corinthian church when he starts writing this letter, he says, it is written, as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man, no government, no think tank, no university, no library, no wealth of human wisdom ever arrived at this. Plain and simple. He says, it has never entered into the heart of man. Hey God, I think you should do something about sin. I think you should do... No, man never counseled God. And here's the issue. The things which God hath prepared for them that love him. Is it worth it to love God? Oh, with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength. Isn't that it? Love God. Uh, this, is, this is what's revealed. And it says this. This is 1 Corinthians 2.10, if you're wondering where I was at. But God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yea, the deep things of God. Do you know where Paul goes in 1 Corinthians 15? 50 through 58, he enters into the deep things of God, reveals the things the Spirit has sought out and revealed and taught unto him, and he says, I'm going to write this down for you. You need this. I don't know if he said it that way, but that's how I receive it. I need this. Got a big change coming. Right? See, think about the change that happens in your life when someone you love dies. Okay? They die in the Lord, and, and you're working through the, you're just working through one thing. They're not here. Where are they? And, and the only thing that the Bible reveals that, that we all need to know is God doesn't lose people when they die. If they die in Christ, where does he, where does he, what does he do with them? He takes them with him. They come to him, absent from the body, okay, present with the Lord. Okay, got it. Now this phrase, we shall all not sleep, but we shall all be changed. Those that sleep, again, what's the, what's the idea? It's death. Remember when Lazarus, right? Lord, okay, we'll go with you. Lord, we shouldn't go there. We should not go to Judea. We should not go up to Jerusalem. They want to kill you there. And we're your disciples. We don't think you should go up there. Because if they're going to kill you, we're your disciples. They're going to kill us. Um, yeah, Lazarus is... You know, he's sick. Okay, Lord, do we have to go? And then Jesus says, he's sleeping. Oh, good, finally we don't have to go. He's sleeping. He's going to get better when he sleeps. Jesus says, he's dead. Okay? But we think of death like what? We think of death like he's dead. Jesus thinks of death like what? Sleeping. So get this. It just, just take that view into this where we're looking. When, when one who has faith in Christ Jesus, when they die... They go to sleep in this form, wake up in heaven. 
That's it. Sleep in this form, tent, wake up in heaven. That's straightforward. Those that die in Christ, the dead shall be raised incorruptible. Do you believe that? Those that die in Christ shall be raised incorruptible. What does that mean? Absent from this body, present with the Lord. I believe it means this. I believe what we're reading here is we die here, we, we sleep here, wake up in heaven in our new body. That, that's, that's what 2 Corinthians 5 teaches. Absent from the body, present with the Lord. I, I, again, so if, whether I'm here, I please the Lord, or whether I'm with him, I please the Lord. Resurrection from the dead. Doesn't that sound good? What does Jesus do? After Jesus dies on the cross and rises again and gives the hope and promise of resurrection, we're going to hope to the end. However long it takes for this to happen for us, whether we die in the Lord or whether we're, we're still awake, when he comes, whether we're resurrected from the dead or whether we're alive and remain at the coming of the Lord, the snatching away, the catching up, the rapture of the church, the trumpet shall sound. Paul tells here the church at Corinth, he says, we shall all be changed. I'm telling you clearly, 1 Corinthians 15 teaches, if you die in Christ, this body dies, goes into the ground like a seed, out comes a new body. He, he tells us in the simplest of terms, all of us have planted a seed in the ground and said what? Look at that carrot seed. And out comes a carrot plant. An acorn, you put an acorn in the ground and out comes an oak tree. What's that? When these bodies die, out come in heaven, right? Our new bodies. This phrase, we it, it's it's doubled up in here so we understand. We shall be changed. If you look at the first time it's written, we shall all be changed. What's Paul saying to the church at Corinth? Those that die and are resurrected to their new bodies, he said what? That's a change. You're changed. No longer are you flesh and blood the way that this is. You have a heavenly spiritual body. You're changed when you die. Now, there's another change that he then talks about. He talks about at the trumpet, we shall be changed. What does that mean? At the rapture of the church, you know what happens? You experience the same change. This phrase, we shall be changed, the word change, again, I'm, I'm on, you catch where I'm coming from today, change? I'm not the same man I used to be, but guess what? I still have this body of sin and death. I'm not what I ought to be yet. So when I die, right, I'll be changed. I'll, I'll be turned into another. And my wife and I talk about this and said, we got married under this whole different set of circumstances. We both married volleyball players. We're going to go live our lives this way. And we had it all mapped out. And then, oh, wait, but God interrupted. I'm glad he did. Oh, am I glad he interrupted things and changed things. And, and we, 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 we both say now, we, we both married and, and, and came to Christ Jesus. And we both have a new, a new spouse. We're changed. But there's another change coming that clearly states to make it other than it is. Don't you love that? When you're raptured or when you die, God is going to make you other than what you are. So basic and so simple. So I'm kind of riding the spouse thing today a little bit, if you can't tell. And it's like, and you're like, I mean, can you imagine having the perfect spouse? Right? I can't either. 
I don't know how, I don't know how Tanya puts up with that. <laughs> you see, what am I saying? When we're with the Lord, we're perfected, we're completed, we're the change that comes. And, and this is, well, how, okay, wait a minute. Every change I've ever experienced in Christ Jesus, I had to agree with God and work at it, and it took me years to make these changes, right? Years to change just how short I was in the beginning with my wife. I told her no first on everything. Evidently, that was, uh, I guess, how I was trained and brought up, that no, you can't do that. No, no, no. The children's ministry yesterday did an outing at the, the Conquer Ninja Gym, and they don't use the word can't there. I, I was told all the time, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't, no, you can't. Right? But why I bring this up, this change, this change that's coming, if we're raptured and we're part of that, Paul says twinkling of an eye. It's the, it's the Greek word repay. Not repay somebody, but repay. <laughs> it's, a, it's the root word that describes a jerk of the eye. Now let me illustrate for you. How does your eye know to close when something is close to it? And if you think about it with me, your eye closes when an object is close to it before your brain can tell your eye to close. Isn't that amazing? That's the twinkling of an eye. You know what's going to happen when, when the trumpet sounds? None of us are going to like have time to do anything. We're going to be caught up before we knew we're caught up. Isn't that an amazing twinkling of an eye at the trump of God, the last trumpet? Again, I believe this change is going to happen instantaneously and you're not going to be a part of doing it, but it's going to be like a reflex because the Spirit of God is in you and when Jesus calls you up immediately and, and, and just, like the, just like your eye can close before you can tell your eye to close. Think about it. If you put your hand and your hand is near fire, you'll, you'll instinctively pull it away, but you'll think about it before you pull it away. But your eye, it's the only part of your body that I know of that has this twinkling, this jerk. Again, you might think of me that way. I'm up here saying these things, right? It's just a play on words. If you want to call me a jerk, all I'm going to hear is twinkling. You're a jerk. You treat me like a jerk. Because people tell me that when I tell them the truth sometimes. You're a jerk. I said, twinkling. Hey, this most wonderful change is coming. This object, that the, the rapture, it's going to happen. Verse 53, as we wrap up today. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. I read this. There's no option plan. There's no, hey, God, I've been working on my flesh. I've been, I've been crucifying it. That list in Galatians 5, I've been putting away anger. Oh, I've been working. I, emulations don't do those anymore. God, can I be like Enoch and bring this flesh into heaven? Hey, Enoch's flesh didn't come into heaven. Neither did Elijah's. They were changed. Flesh and blood can't be in the presence of God. We know that. But he took them without death, giving a picture of what he can do in the rapture. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So, well, let, let's, let me pause there. This, this to me, this is fun. The word there in Greek, 
where we get the English word must, is actually pronounced die. What a strange word. It means must. This this corruptible must put on incorruption. And if you hear it in, in the Greek, you would actually hear the English word when you could read and you can play it through. You would hear in there, you would hear this die must put on incorruption. This body has to what? Die. It's not a natural occurrence, if you will now. It's a supernatural occurrence that people die. Because when God made mankind, how did he make them? With the intent to live forever. But along comes sin and death. And, and so when, look at 54, when this corruption shall have put on incorruption. So the when is, when, when is the when? Whether you die or whether you are raptured, the when of the corruption putting on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality. I'm no longer a mere mortal. Now, you know how many false religions have claimed that you could arrive at godhood? I mean, if you take the doctrine of the Latter-day Saints and go backward as far back into history and forward as far as they take it, they're preaching that they're God. Straight up, all their doctrines. You get your own planet, you start over, you, you get to manifest everything on that planet. That's what they teach. They teach that they are God. Now, that's why, um, that's why they're not... Well, they're not going to make it into heaven without the Son of God. So when that takes place, this mortal shall have immortality. We don't become gods. That's not what that is. But we, we are changed. We are changed. We're different. Then shall be brought to pass the saying, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? When's the last time you as a believer went graveside to someone that you just put in the ground and it stings? Does it not sting? It stings. And these are the things. It's going to sting because we are in this form. Do you know when that sting and when that, when that is taken away? When we are changed, when we're all changed, then the saying will be brought to pass. But what's the saying now? It hurts. Sorrow. Now, Paul tells the church what? We don't sorrow as the world sorrows because we have the promise. We have hope. And I'm here to tell you today, hope to the end. These things don't change until the change that needs to happen in the world happens. God is going to judge the wicked and he's going to reward the righteous. We get front row seats while we're here in this truth in the word of God we know what's coming and when we're taken to heaven and we're we're caught up and we're with him this for us will be forever true there is no more death when we're changed we're we we become eternal and in that new body and as i say that that's lasting change and and this is the change that i'm eager for nobody's eager to die that's not the change but when you die, you're eager for the change that's coming. Make sense? Now, the Bible agrees with this. And Paul writes a letter to the Romans, chapter 8, 2 Corinthians 5. Marry this together today with 1 Corinthians 15. And I'll just say one thing. I told Jim today he was part of the Bible study because he came in and his body was groaning. Right? And can you hear me, Jim? Yep. What is it? 
the Bible tells us, this is, this is Romans 8, we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. When we grow old, what happens to our bodies? They hurt. And, and, and this is what happens. And not only that, I mean, think about it. What if you, if you built your house and you had it all built and pristine and you had it, and from that point forward, you did nothing with that house to upkeep it, what would happen to that house in, say, about 100 years? That's why we had to remake our house, because it was 100-year-old and decaying and falling down. There's nothing in this material world that, that endures. And this is what Romans 8 talks about and describes, we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope, For what a man seeth, why does he yet hope for? But if we hope for that which we see not, then we do with patience wait for it. And likewise, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit helps in our weaknesses. For the Spirit himself searches, the the Spirit himself prays for us through groanings and utterings, the things we don't even know what to pray for. Now as I leave this with this final word that comes forth, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? Grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin. The strength of sin is the law. Look at 57. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that with all my heart. There is a victory over sin and death. Now, should we fear death? Well, the Bible says perfect love casts out fear. Do you know that all the trouble in this world, the spirit of fear has gone out into this world. Spirit of fear has has overtaken almost every people group in this entire world except for one little unique group of people, the remnant, who says what? You kill me, you do me a favor. I die, I go to be with the Lord. How How do you tangle somebody up who's free from fear? What is our place as believers? We're hoping to the end, and what, what am I helping us out with now? Everything you've ever heard to be true in the Bible concerning the coming of Jesus Christ, the rapture of the church, the prophecy, the the Antichrist, he's going to be destroyed, the whole world, all that stuff is always true. And look at the last verse of, of chapter 15 today, and I leave you, this is our application. So if we know we're going to experience this great change, well then live in the now. To quote Wayne's World, if you remember that movie, live in the now, man, live in the now. Live in the now. Hey, as believers, see, it's good to have you up here, Chris. Live in the now. Well, what is the now of the change that's coming? The now of the change that's coming says what? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, firm in faith. Hey, everything that's designed going on in the world is to get you to to shake your faith. My faith is in Jesus Christ. My faith is not in faith. I have the faith of the Lord Jesus Christ. I, that's firm. Make that firm and live in the now. So I'm steadfast, unmovable. Maybe your version says immovable. Is it unmovable, immovable? Yes. And again, use figuratively. It's, it's a specific word, but use figuratively. That says what? I'm firmly persistent. We could use some firmly persistent right now in the world. Believers saying what? Firmly persistent with this one word, no. You can't do that. No. 
So think of all, just, just one firmly persistent says what? No, I will not change that. No, I serve Jesus Christ. How about this firmly persistent church that says what? We're going to worship God. We're going to serve God. We're going to gather together. We're going to continue in these things. We're immovable. But, 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 but the, the medical fear. Oh, the medical fear. You could die if you get this virus. And you look at that and say, what? I get my change? My, my hope to the end? That's it? How do I get the virus? Now, we don't act like, act like that, do we? But every time it comes around, what do you always have to do with yourself? Be immovable in regards to fear. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Oh, don't forget that part. So if you get what's being said, you are, your feet are firm, steadfast, immovable. You are like a tree rooted like a building, solid foundation, pylons down into the bedrock, roots down deep, however you think about immovable, and yet the rest of you abounds. Your feet are immovable, standing, walking in faith, the truth, where your feet walk, your conversation, manner of life. But there should be an expression of the abounding life. And that's the baptism with the Holy Spirit, is it not? Holy Spirit fills you in, overflows your life. Out comes love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, boldness, spiritual gifts, and abounding life. Look at Jesus. You think you could get him off the path of what he was walking? You could not push him off the path. You could not, Satan could not tempt him off the path. And Satan launched everything at Jesus, and Jesus says what? Immovable. It is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord your God uh, and alone, and him only shall you serve. And yet he had the most abounding life. His feet never left home more than 200 miles. Yet look at him now. He's gone everywhere. I mean, do you understand the abounding life of Paul learned something. He says, I'm in prison, but the word of God's not locked up. So this abundant life, isn't that what Jesus promised us? I came that you would have life and that you would have it to the full, more abundantly, firm Firm foundation, feet planted with everything else abounding out of it. That's living in the now. Living in the now. So what should we do? We should be, you be as vocal as you want to be vocal about the changes going on in the world. Why, why should you shrink back? If the Lord gives you a voice and you're supposed to stand out and call these things out, what should you do? Stand up and say it. If he tells you to close your mouth, and work in a different way, what should you do? Close your mouth and work in a different way. He tells you to preach the gospel and to speak out. Do it. Because we got a big change coming. I didn't talk about the change for the world, did I? The un- unbelievers. They got a change coming too. So I know that the change that I'm looking forward to is the change of all eternity. So, amen? Right. Heavenly Father, we thank you. Stir up in us hope to the end. Lord, we rest fully upon that revelation of Jesus Christ, the grace that's to come to us. Lord, the final change that we need to put off these bodies of sin and death, to put on the heavenly, the body of the heavenly man glorified, we ask and pray that you would teach us today how to abound while we're firm and immovable. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.